There's a threat in the world today. A threat to our way of living, a threat to our society, and maybe even a threat to our very existence. And what is this threat? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. He is the one. I am. I am the ass. He is. And we are Black and White Sports. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? I'm supposed to be a franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. How am I not found find the best fight in the world? You tell me. Because you're retired? Come I mean, here, I want to see your face when you're asking this question, and the way you're going to ask it. Little man in the eye before you try to kill him or make up something. He went, he went through my soul. And I'm not surprised. What is going on, BW Sports One World? That guy right there, he's the one in his Cookie Monster shirt. This guy right here. Yeah, cookie. Wow. <laughs> I am the ass. And together we are Black and White Sports, powered by First Financial Bank. Check out John Wayne Buzzard over there at First Financial Bank. 317-417-8582. Or email him, john.buzzard at bankatfirst.com. And our rock star realtor himself, Mr. Sean Nugent, at Talk to Tucker, 317-503-8322, or Sean.Nugent at TalkToTucker.com. Damon, welcome to Taco Tuesday. I'm not impressed. Well, whatever. You Are you ever impressed with me? No, I'm not ever impressed. I'm never right. impressed. Especially right. when you got that crap on your helmet or your hat. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember when the last time you won a Super Bowl and the last time these guys won a Super Bowl. Oh, that's right. Before. I don't care how yeah. many. I finally yeah. that's, that's the only thing. That's all you can say is I don't care how many. See, when care. you put the words. I don't care how many. When you put... When you put the words, how many? I mean, at least you're not you're a Dallas still, fan that you're talking yeah. from 25 years ago. Okay? Yeah, I cannot you're respect still sitting either. at the kitty table. You're still sitting at the kitty table. Nope, not anymore. <laughs> oh, no. Anymore. You're at the well, kitty table. I'm at the high you... school table. I'm at the high school table. No, There's high school, different. you need three. You need oh, three come high on. School. Whatever. You need three. Anyway. Dang <laughs> What? This is a wonderful Taco Tuesday. Because we got a, a, a West Coaster in the house with us. So without further ado, let's bring him in. What do you think, Damon? Hey, I'm good with it. All right. It's Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> boys and girls, children of all ages, Black and White Sports proudly presents to you the one, the only, Rudy Reyes. Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? Thanks for coming in. I wanted to chime in there. You're talking about the one that's won the most recently – well, there's only one, and there's only one team that was first to six, and those are the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let me just clarify that right off the I'm bat. I'm so glad the lighting sucks right there so we can't see the crap on your head. <laughs> yeah, special edition, baby. Special edition. Um, Spell it out. All, you, like it, all right? you need to see is the diamonds. Once you see yeah. the three diamonds, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. That's right. Put it all out there. Put it all out on the line. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, – for hosting me today, there's a lot of sports to get to, a lot of miscues, a lot of problems, especially wow. in Major League Baseball. My gosh, where do you start? <laughs> well, yeah. 
<laughs> we got it on the list. I yeah, guarantee you we got it on the list. It's a laundry list. It must be. Oh, yeah. yeah. It always is when you're talking about baseball and, and the money hungry, money hungry mongrels over there in the MLB. But, you know, Rudy, let's uh, – Let's give the PW Sports One fans a look inside of Rudy Reyes. So we are we have the owner of Rude Dog Entertainment and the host of the Rude Dog Show. So let's uh, let's give us a little bio on on, on yourself. Uh, you know, it started at, at the age of forty. So forty years old, I had wo- I had woken up at the time I was working at a retail establishment that will not have a name served on this show or any other show for that matter. <laughs> and I, uh, I just decided I wanted to do something more. I want to do something more dynamic. And as a young, a young buck, if you will, I kind of didn't have a voice uh, growing up. I come from like from from a singing family. So with that singing came came the vocality, came the ability for me to uh, kind of find who I was, where I wanted to go, how I wanted to do it. I've had some successes along the way, just like anybody else in broadcast. I've also had some pitfalls. As well as everybody knows, if you go to the rudogshow.com, there's a little bit of bio about me. But uh, at the age of 40 years old, I went into broadcasting. I because I'm a diehard Steelers fan, I decided to interview nothing but Steeler players, current as well as former. One of my first Steeler interviews ever was Jerome Bettis, oh. and, uh, all-time oh. six all-time leading rusher. At least he was. He got passed up by someone, but you know it is what it is. Now you said uh, that name. I'm I can get down with the bus because I am an Irish fan, so. Well, Jerome, that's probably one of the best acquisitions for the Steelers uh, when the Rams decided to go ahead and train him off. And, of course, we know the rest is history after winning that ring in his hometown of Detroit, Michigan, uh, home of the winless Lions that continue to be winless. (laughs) But, yeah, it's either here nor there. Message. (laughs) Message received. Check, please. Uh, So – I, I decided to kind of try my luck, put my feelers out there. I had interviews with the Los Angeles Lakers as an arena host. I had interviews with the, at the time, the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. And after that, I just decided to uh, venture out and acquired a, uh, gosh, it's such a long way from home when you're talking about Cheyenne, Wyoming. So I kind of went full circle <laughs> all the way from sunny Southern California to going to snow and don't know how to drive in the snow and never really been a part of snow in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So I work for KGWN out there as a sports reporter. Um, and unless you've been on the beat at football games when it's 20 degrees outside, you forgot your gloves and you have a camera you have to record vote for and maybe even create a vote sot when you're done, then you have not been there, done that. Uh, it's it's not the easiest profession, but it's, <laughs> it's very rewarding. Uh, and with that, here comes some of the successes, whereas – I've covered the NFL draft, interviewed Lamar Jackson. I've interviewed Minka Fitzpatrick. I've interviewed uh, Vita Vea, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, Vander Esch uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the list just goes on and on and on. So uh, f- for me, I mean, and, and I could go over seven years of dialogue and where I've been and all that good stuff, but I think that kind of surmises where I'm at professionally and just got a position working for CBS 47 here in Fresno, California. Nice. today in fact well, congratulations so, thanks i i definitely appreciate that <laughs> was it was this the, the sneak preview of that right here <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. actually was i decided nice. to put it all on, on, on front street for you guys so there you go, you know, there you go. you're gonna enjoy and and bask in the uh ambiance i don't know i, I can't <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm glad to you. know that both of my colleagues here tonight 
are old enough to witness all six of your rings. Damon, go ahead. I am. I am old enough. Didn't say that I witnessed all six, <laughs> but I am old enough for all six. Shots fired. That's right, David. <laughs> yeah. I'm ducking. Uh, <laughs> he hit, hell, he hit every one of my questions. for. Man, he, he did. Because I was looking at the notes. I'm like, damn, Damon was, might be out. There's one more question that, that you could ask me, but unless you've unless you've done the background on it, you wouldn't know. So in, uh -oh. in 2014, I had the ability to attend Steelers training camp, not only as a fan for the first two days while I was in Latrobe, not Latrobe, it's Latrobe for those that don't know, never been there, done that. Uh, and then the next, the very last day of training camp in at St. Vincent in Latrobe, uh, um, it was Troy Palomalu's last oh. training camp with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Antonio Brown was just getting his feet underneath them before he lost his brain uh, a few years later. Um, <laughs> and matter of fact, that was one of my first uh, character interviews in front of someone was Heath Miller, uh, as well as Ryan Shazier in his rookie year. Uh, and I, I got nothing but I got nothing but love for Ryan Shazier. I'm telling you right now, there are many players with many stories throughout this he, league. Been he there, has done one that. downfall. Yep, it was against <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals, and I watched that game. No, I was no, no, to no, no. His only downfall. You can look up my wall and tell me what his only downfall was. His only downfall was that he tackled his helmet. No, that he <laughs> went, well, that too is no, that he went to OSU. I don't know that he that's, went, I don't know if that's an issue necessarily. He's one of the smartest me. guys you probably ever meet. He's he's got an IQ of 125. So I wouldn't put anything past the guy. But when I asked him about that, he was very strategic in his answer. He said, no, really? That's what they say? Come on, Ryan, you know. Uh, so uh, so with that, uh, the very last day that I was there, I had a chance to uh, have a photo taken of me that I didn't know existed until I'm leaving out of Pittsburgh and I'm about to get on a plane. And sure enough, this uh, ex-constituent of mine says, hey, man, did you look at your Twitter timeline? Did you look at Steelers.com? I said, why? I haven't looked there recently. And sure enough, if you go to rudebuckshow.com, you're going to see that photo very proudly uh, placed, uh, I might add, with uh, with, with Heath yeah. Miller. and uh, Excuse me, it wasn't Heath Miller. It was Greg Warren, uh, the former long snapper uh, for, for the Steelers, uh, and, of course, former tight end walking away from the last day of training camp, and there I am on the left-hand side. So I did uh, see that. I did yeah, see that. Yeah, so um, it was Matt, Matt Spaeth, forgive me. Uh, and of course, Matt, me and Matt just just connected on, on Facebook. So I'm trying to see if he'd kind of want to dive into the Steeler closet, if you will, the black and gold closet to talk about some things uh, while he was in, in Pittsburgh. So we'll see. There you we'll go. What happens. But that's kind of the overall synopsis of, uh, of where I've been and what I've done. And my ultimate goal is to be on NFL Network. So I'm really looking forward to uh, possibly getting within those um, those confines, uh, if, if, if we have a football season, if mm. all doesn't screw it up first, big if, yeah, so, <laughs> I, and then you say that, and I have a note down here that we're not going to talk a lot of football today because there's not a lot to talk about. And I figured since he's a football guy, if we uh, have a football season, which I seriously doubt we could bring him back and then mm. we could talk all football on that show. 
Oh, certainly. Absolutely. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Bring it on. Good deal. So, Good deal. Uh, my last question about you and your bio, I don't know if Dan's got something, but my last one would be, oh, you uh, being from sunny Southern California, it looks like you were born and raised out there. And like myself, no attachments to Pittsburgh whatsoever. How did you become a Steeler fan? Well, uh, I'd grown up in the Bradshaw era. I had grown up uh, around watching them take it to the uh, LA Rams, taking it to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and time and time again, you know, we you, you, you can't win every battle, but what you can win are the wins that you can control. And that's with great defense. And so uh, that was something that I had watched growing up as a young man and decided that uh, – the, the logos on the side of the helmet wasn't just a logo at all. There's history behind that. Once I was able to really inform myself and educate myself about what those hypocycloids meant, yes, that's the, a long word, hypocycloids. Uh, once I figured out what those colors meant, which is the color of steel, that was really huge back in the 60s and 70s in the great steel town, former steel town of the of the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, conceived in 1933 bought with different types of monies from various business ventures by Mr. Rooney himself and uh, the chief, as we like to call him. Um, for me, it just kind of helped solidify. And then furthermore, to add to this, the gentleman on the plane, Flight 93, that crashed on my birthday outside of, Pit of, of Pittsburgh in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, was from Pittsburgh. And he decided to take it upon himself in an act of heroism, selflessly uh, giving his own life to help take that plane down so it didn't ravage any more buildings and kill any more people. Wow. That's a, that, I mean, that's history. That's definitely a part of history that nobody likes to, uh, likes to remember, but doesn't want to forget. I should say. Uh, well, all those details of the Steelers, I had no idea. <laughs> no, no. Um, but, but for me, it's more of a personal, you know, thing because mm -hmm. most people don't want to talk about 9/11. Most people don't even want to talk about COVID. They don't want to talk about the hard topics, the 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 questions that happen to come up more more often than not is, um, you know, ouch or wow or I didn't know that. Well, how could you have known unless you asked? Or at least I offered the information. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes uncomfortable topics need to be talked about so that way we can learn from history. We can learn from the things that we have done in our life or things that have been done to us, rather. And sure enough, that's kind of where I'm at right now, understanding that 9-11 is more than just happened. Everything that transpired on that day was certainly my birthday first and foremost. But it's still one of those things that's kind of hard to get away from at times. Of course, my birthday is right around the corner now. So I'm kind of on the downhill slalom, if you will. <laughs> Are you knocking on the door, aren't you? Yeah, just knocking it ever so slightly. <laughs> just, just, right, just a so, little love tap. <laughs> it happens. A little bit. It's close. It's closely approaching. All right, let's get into some baseball talk. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and get Dan's Dan's Reds out the way. You know, hey, you weekend, know. <laughs> his following weekend was opening oh, hey. day. You know, he had a lot of exciting headlines and low lines and things like that but let's let's go ahead and get the reds out of the way i just want to ask <laughs> rudy what do you think of mr trevor bauer trevor bauer you know there's one thing about trevor bauer that that i do like is his his 90 mile an hour fastball that, that's one of the things that i like about tr trevor bauer <laughs> uh, 
but but more importantly, we, we get lost in numbers. We get lost in his winning percentage. We get lost in his ERA. Uh, what what really makes me kind of look at the Reds and, and I look at I look at Bauer. Um, you know, he's from my neck of the woods. He's a SoCal guy, uh, so I got to give love to a SoCal guy. Me and him are the same height. I obviously weigh a little bit more than him, but not much. He's not making a chunk of change out in Cincinnati, but what I do like about him is the things that he's done off-field, contributes to his community. He's a family guy. He's he's well-versed. He's well-spoken. Not that his ERA, and not to take anything away from his numbers to reflect anything that he has or has not done on the mound, but I really just appreciate who he is, what he's done, and you can put all the numbers in there all you want. It doesn't make a person who he is, uh, but but – the, the, the bottom line to all this is, is even though they lost to Detroit yesterday, 3-2, it just makes you wonder, and, and you look at the Reds in, in the situation where no team, and, and this is historical fact, no team in Major League Baseball has ever started and been perfect. And especially now that we're at a 60-plus game season, of course, including the playoffs, postseason, uh, one of those things that, that kind of makes the Reds really stand out. He was quoted as saying that it sucks. They had a chance to win. They blew it. Some teams do. I'm a Pirates fan. That you know that team seems to blow it every single year for the last 25 years, and it's one of those heartbreak <laughs> situations. But at the same token, uh, because they have, I mean, you can make all excuses for the Reds all you want, and the fact that they lost yesterday. Uh, but the, no, no excuse is greater than saying that they have a bigger payroll and they know how to draft. Uh, whereas the Pirates don't have that large of a payroll and their draft prospects. I'm going to have Jack Hartman on, as a matter of fact. Uh, Monday, who was just drafted by by the Pirates, right-hand pitcher, uh, very low ERA in, in college, and of course, uh, uh, one of those guys you're going to have to look out for. Or the Pirates are never going to pay big money for anybody. I don't care who it is. Same, con- you know, you could. It's almost as if the same concept travels around Pittsburgh, right? Because we look at the Steelers and we think, well, they have the money, they just don't want to spend it. Well, that may very well be true but they don't overspend either. They make sure that they put the right people in the right position to make the right amount of money for their respective positions. Same thing with the pirates, but back to, back to Trevor Bauer. I, you know, he, he has a 1.47 ERA. Okay. And, and that's not to take anything away from what he's done, but I, I look for him to get a little bit better uh, uh, as far as the strike zone and being able to wind up. And I know I've seen some crazy windups with, uh, Quaid, who likes to stand on his left foot and kind of triggers and looks around before he throws that 98-mile-an-hour fastball or two-seam fastball right down the middle. Uh, so I think I, I think Bauer really has uh, a, a bright future ahead of him, and I think that when you, look, when you look forward to where his career is headed, as long as he continues to collectively work on that pitch, to, to work on off-mound, uh, as well as just putting a lot of practice in, I think Trevor Bowers is going to be a superstar in Cincinnati for some time to come. I agree. All right, since we're talking about pitchers here, and you did mention college, so we have to come up with this 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 topic that we've had several times talking about baseball. Neither one of us are fans of the DH. We just want to know why. Why all of a sudden you come from uh, uh, Biddy League to Travel League to School League to College League, and then all of a sudden you get to the pros and you don't know how to hit anymore? <laughs> I don't get it. 
I don't know. I, you know, there's, there, there's, there's good and there's bad to the DH and it depends on what league you're in. Right. So if you're in mm-hmm. AL, okay, maybe you're, you're in the NL. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't need it. It's been, it's been the fall cry. Matter of fact, I had Len, Lenny Dykstra on my show about a year and a half ago, and he was never sent to be the DH of course, but he was always the consummate consummate professional even though he didn't agree with the dh stand and he made it he made it what very well known widely known <laughs> well, yeah he, he, he made it well known and there's no reason why there's no reason why you should have a dh to be perfectly honest with you and to be honest to, to, to go further than that because you have the runner in extras at second base i don't think the dh should even be a part of the game at this juncture try it out not having it see what it looks like it's a truncated mm-hmm. season anyway try it out next year you have the extra you have the extra runner at second which makes the contest obviously a lot more dynamic regardless of what team is you know defense or offense but just go without the dh for right now am i a huge fan of the dh not necessarily but i can see where, where the benefits lie for those teams that use a dh those uh, those you know the, these NL teams that like to use the DH, the AL teams, yeah, they're kind of well, sure, yeah, right. I, 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 to be honest with you, I'm not really a fan of the shift either. To be perfectly frank, yeah, with you. I'm not a fan of the shift either. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the shift because that 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 gives you time to get to almost. It's almost as if you're calling an audible at, at the line of scrimmage in in football. <laughs> and what's really interesting, it reminds me of a George Carlin uh, set, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> but there are differences between baseball and football, right? So you call an audible at the line, you call an audible for a shift, uh, which is ultimately the very same thing because now you're shifting in motion. You can have an offset line, uh, you know, having another guard on the left, right? So, so, it, so it's now an outweighed side. And as far as the shift is concerned, not very good either, because again, you're moving people out of position and you're throwing the batter off guard. I just don't think I'm not a fan of the shift. I probably never will. I'm I'm less of a fan of the shift than I am the DH. I'll put it that way. See, my theory on the shift is you're not as great as a hitter as you think you are, or we think you are. If you're in the, if you're at the top level, the very top level, and you got six guys on this side of the field, and you got two guys over here, and you can't hit a ball over there, you right. don't need to be at the top level. You are supposed to be some of the best hitters ever. You place the ball wherever you want to place it. I don't understand how you can't do it. So I feel because you know there's certain hitters that they don't do that to. You know, you mm-hmm. don't shift bookie bets. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You should well, see, in my opinion, that's that's just strategy there. That's a lot more strategy in that than putting a DH in for your pitcher at the plate. The DH is for the fat guy in the American League that don't want to get in shape. Isn't that why Albert Pujols stayed in the league yeah. so long? At least the well, NL. That's where he left it with St. Louis. No, I'm not oh. saying I'm not down in Pujols, but. No, he 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 made the right move. He went to Los Angeles. He trimmed down. He's looking really good right now. He's physically you know ready to rock and roll. Was he a little chucky every once in a while? Yeah, of course he was. But as my mom said, husky. <laughs> Where's your mom? I want to talk to her. Man. No, uh, so <laughs> I, I I just think that if you're gonna if you're gonna use that DH. 
make it make it count make something fantastic phenomenal happen on that very play don't use a dh because someone's 265 pounds and they should only be 200 you know give them just look it's an equal playing field literally and figuratively i I don't i don't care for the dh and i don't like the fact that it's still being utilized i agree we can agree on the dh yes we can can. agree to disagree on the shift (laughs) (laughs) all right let's let's bring it back to a little little closer to time on on major league baseball so we finally got into this 60 game season which one i think the negotiations was drawn out way too far and i think it put a bad taste and a sour taste in fans mouth because we got rich people fighting over rich people problems when poor people are becoming poorer so who do you think was more at fault of this this bad negotiation between the players union and the owners you know that that really goes back to uh, a rob manfred question he clearly dropped the literal ball when it comes to running all of this um you 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 don't expect owners of major league baseball organizations to say you know what this is an issue this is a problem this is where we're at this is how we're going to handle it this is what we need to do you can you can almost think the players who practically just said you know what forget it we're not going to bother no face masks they're going to do the fist bumps they're going to sit close to each other like, like a can of sardines they're going to avoid all the rules. I'm a young stud. It's not going to happen to me. COVID does, not, COVID does not discriminate, okay? I don't care how old you are or how young you are. But the fact that Rob Manford still did not come out until earlier, matter of fact, an hour ago, I think he had a press conference uh, in regards to all this, you know, this Miami Marlins game yeah. tonight canceled or at least postponed, at least for the foreseeable future. Of course, probably a makeup game somewhere down down the line maybe we'll see if you're the opposing team you don't want to go into this locker room are you kidding me you don't want to take a chance they, of the Yankees climate. were not going yeah. exactly exactly and they said you know what we're not going to do this it ain't going to happen um and of course the the Phillies themselves um also are, are very uh you know every team every player that does not have nothing but veterans on it which the yankees actually do have plenty of veterans on it uh even though they may be two or three year veterans in 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 stanton and judge and you know you you have your old vijitos you know out there gardner who's still playing to this day i don't even know why he's still playing but he's doing it because he loves the game uh gardner's not like the home run guy you expect him to be but moreover it's about him getting on base, and he's got great, great ribby skills. He really does. Um, he can you, you can put someone on second or third, and he's just going to move the ball. He's not going to hit a run. He's just going to move the ball, and that's really all you do. You find the gap, you shoot the gap, and you're done, and you're and, and you're on base to bring somebody home. If you sack fly out, oh well, so be it. It's just the way. The, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, but I think I think Rob Manford did not set set, set the tone. Um, do you say that that the negotiations take a little bit longer than it should have? Absolutely. Look, Zoom phone calls don't count. Text messages don't count. Shooting up flares or lighting up smoke signals is not going to get it done. You're not going to get a deal done at all. Moreover, when you look at finally him being able to 
sit down with with Clark of, of Major League Baseball Players Association. You know what? This is where this is what we need to do. This is a must do. We got to get it done. And sure enough, that's really all it took is for him to show face, literally and figuratively, to sit down and go over this to make this now a reality. The problem is, is that you can't take a back seat to all of this and all of a sudden out of nowhere, out of complete utter randomness, say, oh, well, I'm the big voice in the room now. All of a sudden, hear me, hear me. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to be the forefront and the face of your organization. Take a page out of Robert uh, Roger Goodell's book, excuse me. Uh, you could take a page out of Adam Silver's book as well, being proactive instead of reactive. And I think that that's the biggest issue that people are having with Rob Manfred right now. Uh, and with this outbreak situation, is it being contained? Well, we, we hope so. Is it right. the end of the Major League Baseball season when we're just in its truncated infancy? And I hate using that word all the time, but that's really what it boils down to. Um, the answer to that is no, I don't think so. I, I still believe Major League Baseball will go on. They're going to find a way to curtail this and really uh, get people involved and help these youngins who don't have anything at stake. If they don't have kids, they don't have family, they're only putting themselves in jeopardy. Then again, you look at guys like, like, like Mike Trout. Mike Trout himself decided, you know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and play after all. I really think that we're going to have uh, I'm going to have a season. It's going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy it. He's got two kids. He's got a baby on the way. Why would he put himself? He just had it. Exactly. He just had it. <laughs> exactly. So why would he want to put himself and his family at risk knowing the circumstances? Can he opt out? Sure. Is he going to take less money? Yeah, maybe. But at, at the cost of what? Not getting someone else infected when all he has to do is get treated for it and basically serve 14 days of quarantine time where he can zoom with his own family. Mm -hmm. I don't blame him if he did opt out to be quite honest with you or any other, any of these other veterans, Albert pools, we we're just talking about these guys who have vested interests, vested families involved in their, in their sport and their choice of career should not be punished because you want to be Mr. Oh, I'm not going to get it. I'm, you know, I'm healthy as an ox. It doesn't matter if you're healthy or not healthy. It will take you down. Well, I got a question to kind of go off of one of your comments you made. You know how the, the Marlins have so many players and staff members uh, infected right now. I think Yet, it's a total of 12. Is it 12? Okay. Yeah. Um, so two coaches and the rest players. Okay. So behind them, though, you have a triple-A team and a double-A team and a single-A team that could be brought up during the season at any time, why aren't we seeing more of that being talked about? Say, hey, you know, let's go to our, our farm our, our farm teams and bring those players in while these guys are on quarantine, while these guys are, are you know, doing uh, 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 yeah. You know, even if they get kicked out, if they here's what they should do. If you cross the imaginary line of the bubble – because you can't they don't, understand. They don't have a bubble in baseball. That's the problem. Ah, uh, okay. Well, mm -hmm. that's yeah. That's no, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, I think if if Major League Baseball are taking a page out of the NBA's book, so you know what, these guys need to be quarantined. They're going to be away from their family, but they're going to have to be quarantined if we plan on having a season. The NBA, those those very uh, LeBron, Kyrie Irving, even older players, again talking veterans who have grown up 
around the NBA, in the NBA, whether their family was in the NBA, their dad, their brother, uncle, whoever it was, these guys clearly know what they have to do in order to stay safe. You have veterans telling these young guys saying, look, you can't do this. You cannot be that guy. Don't be that guy. We want a season. Whether or not the Major League Baseball could have put a bubble in place in order to keep them safe and sound remains to be seen, and obviously too late because it's way after the fact for mm-hmm. that one. However, uh, to your point, when you're talking about bringing up you know minors and Triple Eight you know players and things of that nature, and and all due respect to where they th- these guys are currently at right now in those respective systems, they're just not that good. If they were that good, they've already been there. And I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with that. But to have the season, you have to have players. And if certain players don't want to abide by the rules that they should be, regardless if there's a bubble or not, you know that, like you said, the veterans are telling them, you know, don't do this, don't do this. You need to do this. If they can't listen, maybe these younger guys or or veterans in the minor leagues can step up and play. But it doesn't necessarily. It's entertainment now. We have zero sports. We have very, I should say, we have very minimal sports right now. Okay, this is the problem with the MLB and why they they are not America's pastime anymore is because, like you guys said, they should have been on the front run of this. They had plenty of time and opportunity to, and they dropped the ball, Rudy. I mean, like you said, they dropped the ball, literally. And now they're. I see this Florida Marlins deal potentially dropping another ball and putting a sour look on the Major League Baseball yet again. This kind of feels like early 90s. Well, well, I'll look at it, I'll look at it like this. One, baseball has a different look on their commissioner other than the other two major leagues. Adam Silva and um was um, a follower of David Stern who brought in an iron fist stability, control, and organization. Roger Goodell, as dumb as he may be at times, he still has the fear of the players. If he says something, it's going to be done. The same way Adam Silver, that those players know that this man is going to get things done for you and against you if you're on the bad side. But with uh, Manford, they got no respect for this guy. These players do whatever the hell they want to do. That's how I look at it. So until he gets control, you know, I mean, he's going to always be following behind. He does more cleanup than he does um, improving the game, unlike the other two commissioners. Well, well, to your point, in, in, in all fairness to, to, to Roger Goodell, he's a little bit more reactive than I think he is proactive. And that, that can always serve up a, a dish very cold in a way that you really don't want it served. Hot food should be served hot. Cold food should be served cold. No one wants a cold dish that's designed to be hot. And right now, NBA is hot. You're talking about Adam Silver, how he had taken over for the late, great David Stern. David Stern brought nothing but innovation as a part of the NBA franchise. And and Adam Silver, when when you decide to retire, when you call it a day, when it's done, you're two sheets to the wind, everything's done and over with, and you did everything you possibly could within your power to help make sure that your players, your organization, these owners, uh, the Spurs, Lakers, Maverick, uh, Clippers, t- take your pick, that they are all on the same page when it comes to player safety, when it comes to recognizing 
the progressive moves that each individual team could make, making suggestions as to uh, fan experiences, uh, growth within your own brand, marketing within your own brand. David Stern was an absolute genius. I don't think anybody gives him as much credit as he deserves. But with that being said, Adam Silver's done some pretty cool things as well. Don't forget that band that these players are playing with right now uh, are designed to keep them within reach if their temperature gets out of control this ring is designed to flag the officials to flag the nba office so you know what this guy's off the grid this guy has had he's got covid problems he's got temperature issues he's having breathing problems his pulse is way too high he went to texas roadhouse clubs <laughs> i mean whoever lou williams is or isn't he he decided to violate the rules and oddly enough for, for Lou Williams, it was uh, something that came back to uh, to bite Doc Rivers in the behind when he all he wanted to do was knock off all these players, but yet he didn't knock off his own player. Mm. But that's another story for another time. Uh, however, uh, <laughs> Adam Silver did everything right in regards to this. He was the forefront. He was the front runner. And, and fortunately enough for the NBA as an organization has done more for – communities has done more for families has done more uh to help equalize the uh the, the balance between hiring women and men in upper positions mm-hmm. you, you got to look at all of that the whole body of work and adam silver is not done he is far from done roger goodell could take a page out of his book and of course rob manford probably just needs to be fired and call it a day yeah uh, but I, but yeah, again, which but again, you have to have someone in position to understand the, the progression of the professional sports league that you are in to help develop your organization further. I don't know of anybody off the top of my head that can run Major League Baseball. That's got to be a daunting task. So kudos to Manfred for finally being able to kind of wrap his head around what's really going on during negotiations. And of course, with that late announcement on Major League Baseball Network to say, you know what, we're aware of it. We're going to do what we got to do, but they kind of dropped the ball in the sense of they should have said something in advance. Manfred should have an immediate press conference from the confines of his own living room. I mean, Raj Goodell did it from his basement and went through the entire draft. <laughs> right. Roger Goodell could do that. Then I'm pretty sure Rob Manfred could do the very same, same exact thing. And, and it's not like I'm trying to compare the two because, you know, it's like the whole George Carlin comparing you know, baseball and, and football, if you haven't heard it, go check it out. You know, baseball, when do we go home? I don't know. When do we go? We're going to stay here. We're going to play macrame. You know, football, <laughs> uh, iron, you know, fourth and inches. You know, you just go through an entire motion set between the two, and the parallels could not be any different. But I think that that's where the rubber needs to meet the road when you talk about these organizations that need to be on the same page and should have a commissioner's conference and, and ultimately – uh, someone to help moderate all of this so that way they can learn from one another. They can teach one another. They can understand the pitfalls, the goods, the bads, the uglies, and, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that kind of moments to where all well, these can grow along with the players. Well, I think that's what the NBA does. You know what I mean? I think the NBA pretty much sets the standard or the pattern and everybody else follows, so to speak. One thing with the baseball we had to. I'd like to know how many people, how many players were affected in the Korean baseball, because they seem to be having. I don't know if they were in a bubble or not, but they seem to be 
going on with their season quite well. I'm not really hearing a whole bunch of positive tests coming out that league. So mm-hmm. one would think that Manford and his staff would have been paying attention to what the Korean Baseball League was doing to maybe try to modern their things kind of um, how they should, somewhat like how the NBA did. And with the Disney complex, because they, they threw the guinea pig out there with M- uh, MLS, the Major League Soccer. They threw the bubble guinea pig out where they were with them, and that stuff was working very well. So that allowed them to develop new technology, develop other stuff where they can bring in a real money maker with the NBA and the WNBA. And this is what you got. I mean, they have zero positive tests inside the bubble. You know, when you're talking about the Japanese and how they've been so progressive about all of this and making making the right decisions, doing the right things, and uh, being able to have fans within their stadiums, uh, respectfully, they're, they've gone about this the very the very way that the NBA probably should have done it uh, when when Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell found out that they had it. They, they should have shut everything down immediately, closed it, ceased it, ceased fire, duck and cover, whatever it may be. Um, but unfortunately, it was already too late because at that point, other teams had already played the Utah Jazz. So it, it just kind of makes you wonder, did they drop the ball a little bit? Who didn't? Who did? There's not really a matter of pointing fingers right now. I think it's just a matter of finding a solution. NFL's uncovering tons of rookies right now. I don't even know what the list is. going to have 12 or 15 players that are rookies uh, that have found out to be asymptomatic for, for COVID. So, so, again, you have to filter these things out and go about, go about things the right way in order to achieve and produce the results of being able to have a successful, even though it may not – actually come to fruition football season but baseball 60 plus games including postseason i nailed it i even called it i even i even spot on it with someone who completely refuted it on twitter stating that there's going to be about 60 games i don't see anything more i don't see anything less 60 games in the regular season of course we got the postseason and sure enough that's exactly what happened look so speaking yeah <laughs> So speaking of the postseason, before we jump out of baseball, speaking of the postseason, so what do you feel about this new format? You know, I mean, do you think this is an experimental format to something they might um, explore later on? Or is this just, you know, a one-time deal, you know, for the shortened season with this eight teams on both sides now? You know, I I think it could be a little bit of both when you look at what they're, you know, we were talking about the DH earlier, we we're talking about the shift earlier. A lot of experimental things really go into, of course, having that runner at second during any extra inning after after the ninth inning. Uh, I, I think this is this is more of a, a, a speculation in regards to how good it will work in a truncated season. I don't foresee this unless it becomes a huge success. Uh, in some way, shape, or form to expand because of the truncated season, right? So you have to be able to offset not having 128 games or 118 games. You have to be able to offset that. And how do you offset that? You open up the playing field a little bit wider, a little bit deeper. Uh, and, and, and when you have that capability, uh, that means you're going to have more teams to play. You're going to have a, a better opportunity to see Teams who otherwise you would have never thought got, get to that point to even battle for a, a pennant. And you know, everyone wants to talk about this world champion. World champion? World champions go an entire season. We don't have an entire season. This is going to be probably the shortest baseball season known to mankind. 
Uh, are we really going to find out who is, is is the ultimate, you know, the actual pennant winner? Yeah, to be honest with you, you won in the COVID era. Next. You know, but but does that take away from your 60, now in less than 60 games, obviously, including postseason play in baseball? But does that really show the, the backbone of your organization, of your team, your mindset? That that remains to be seen. I'd, I'd really like to see this kind of play out and, and see what positivities come from this playoff format. And if, in fact, it does yield very good results and the Pirates, for some reason, some act of God, they find <laughs> themselves in the postseason, then, then you clearly know that there's something to be said for, for the current format and will it work? If it doesn't work, then they're going to go from scratch to start all over. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. One, I think people get flooded with too much baseball. 162 games, that's a lot of games. I'd like them to cut the cut it down to like say 120 games and then extend the postseason. You know what I mean? Give them the, the extra teams in the postseason. But I just think, you know, people get, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling the 162 games. I'm definitely not feeling the, you know, a contract worth 438 million dollars. Definitely not feeling that. <laughs> Well, at least I'm not for me. Are, are going to complain a whole lot getting paid an exuberant <laughs> amount of money if you're guys like Mookie Betts. But 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 again, keeping his contract into perspective, he's not going to get all that money up front. He's going to have to be there for a, a 12 years at least before he sees any of that extra money. Uh, but to be honest with you, when you become a, a runner-up time and time again, or you're you're um, most valuable player in the national league. That doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen because of a coin flip. It doesn't happen because somebody miscalled a coin flip at the beginning of a game that happens because you're stellar in various ways, your speed, because speed kills in major league baseball. I don't care who you are, or what position you, you are in, whether you're in the outfield or whether you're the pitcher, you can throw smoke 120 consistently for inning after inning after inning. You deserve whatever awards you get. Uh, if you don't and, and, and you flounder and, and you flubber and you make all types of defensive issues and problems, whether you're a shortstop or an outfielder, you don't deserve anything. At least you're playing and you're getting paid to do it. So no whining or crying in baseball. Last thing I heard from Tom Hanks. I remember that. Ah, favorite <laughs> baseball movie ever. Right? I know. Next to the natural. I love the natural. <laughs> so I got all one right, last question on baseball. I know you're saying it's a shortened season. It doesn't matter. Move on. But who are you picking? <laughs> yes. I can't. World I Series. Can't World call. Series pay right now. I can't. If I you can't. had to put your life savings on one or on two teams to play each other in the World Series, who would you put? I'd have to go with the – you know what? I'm going to call it back-to-back for the Nats. Ooh. Over who? Shortened season, less time for injuries, more time to get these guys, whoever's on a 10-day DL, uh, whether it's Max Scherzer or anyone else on that roster, to get nice and healthy and ready to rock and roll. I, I, I think the Nationals, if Scherzer gets healthy and starts throwing the way that he did last year, don't forget they didn't get hot till the half part uh -huh. after the All-Star break. And when they, when they got hot, boy, were they smoking. Are you yeah. kidding me? They went on a hell of a roll. They went on a heck of a roll. Now, with that, there were a lot of key injuries. They still dealt with the injury bug, and then every single Major League Baseball team is going to run into that. 
but they just got onto a roll in such a way that just made them nearly unbeatable. And I think that if they keep that kind of chemistry, keeping guys, of course, they, you're not able to keep everybody every single year. That's just the way it is. That's just reality in Major League Baseball or in sports for that matter. You see guys leaving free agency all the time in the NFL. But I think more importantly, uh, the Nationals can really get back to this and, and maybe pull off a doubleheader. If they can do that and go back to back, uh, that'd be the first time that's been done in, I'd say, the last 15, 20 years or greater for that matter. Mm. Didn't the Red Sox do it? Uh, no. back in, they didn't. Okay. There was a year they in between. Every other year. There went every other year. Okay. Every so other the year. last time to do it was Atlanta, right? Yeah. Well, wow, that was hell. We're talking 93, 94, 94, 95. Yeah, that's there. the David Justice era. Yep. It sure is. Maddox, yeah. They, yeah. Yep. Uh, David Justice was a beast. <laughs> he, he, he went on a terror terrors but uh i i think the nationals could probably win it all again all right well, but it's not as long as 168 games but it's still a long season uh especially your baseball fan you relish every single pitch every single uh -huh. moment that you get to watch these guys play on the field yep yeah. I I'll, I'll i'll watch because i'm supposed to <laughs> wow, that's what that's No one's gonna put baby in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, let's jump over right before we get done here. Before we let you go, let's jump over here to some NBA, WNBA. So, you know, uh, the WNBA they actually started their season, uh, not restarted, they started their season uh, over the weekend and. The NBA restarts the ending of their season on Thursday. Uh, but we were kind of talking, mixing in a little baseball talking to this. We were kind of talking about, you know, players opting out and for various reasons, social justice, COVID issues. The, the story that came out last week that I don't think people are really talking about enough. Um, it was like a two-day conversation with, uh, Elena Deladon, you know, I mean, she, she opted out, uh, well, she requested to opt out of the season for health reasons and they denied her. So then she comes out and lets everybody know what her health reasons are, which she has Lyme disease. And it showed a picture that she takes 64 pills every day to battle this disease. The problem is they're let her opt out, but you're not going to get paid for it. I have a problem with that, and I think that more people should have a problem with that. Well, and I think they did come back and say, though, didn't they? They did. I they said they maybe were, I missed I, it. I believe so. They did. Like two days later, they finally came back and said, well, yeah. she was paid. But, yeah, I mean, to, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but the initial thought should be, Pay the woman regardless because she does have this medical condition that medical condition that can really put her life in jeopardy when it comes to this COVID deal. And you know, plus they she's the reigning MVP. <laughs> That's the face of the WNBA. So, well, you have to put this. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but these WNBA women that have done so much to help women discover who they are in the game of sports, especially you're talking about basketball. 
I mean, some girls dream of playing in the WNBA. Um, we can think of Gianna Bryant, who never had the opportunity, never will have the opportunity to play in the WNBA. More importantly, she had every single ounce of effort, love, and attention and capabilities of being able to play in the WNBA. And due to untimely death, uh, along with you know plenty of other people on the plane, including the late, great Kobe Bryant, um, it just kind of stands to reason uh, if you're running into certain medical conditions and certain medical situations that you, that disable you from being able to play a regular game on the floor due to COVID and they don't include that and opt out just like the, the NBA did, just like Major League Baseball did, just like the NFL did, they're doing a great disservice. People like Elena Deladon, I mean, come on. How can you not have an opt-out clause for women who are trying to make a name for themselves to encourage other women and young girls to play the game of basketball, something that they love to do. This is sending the wrong message, stating that even though you have underlying medical conditions, you have no business um, opting out, being able to opt out. That's That that in itself is a huge problem. Uh, and it's going to become a little bit more problematic because you're going to see players do the very same thing. They're going to drop out because they don't want to be a part of, of, of the organization to whatever extent because their health is first. Everybody's health is first when it comes to this COVID-19 situation. I don't think the WNBA is getting that right now. I don't think they're even looking at that as being a possibility. And to 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 add salt to injury, women like her, uh, if they continue to opt out, uh, there's, again, going back to the Major League Baseball scenario, we're going to have guys in AAA and in the minors, and you're going to have to call them up to do it. She's she's not just an everyday person you just replace off the street. You're not going to be able to just find someone to do the work and perform the body work that she's done for so long. It, it's just going to be impossible. You're going to find yourself being a shell of an organization. And furthermore, you're not going to be able to uh, have these MVPs. You know, what most valuable player? Well, who's that? Most valuable organization allowing these players to do what they have to do and what they want to do, what they love to do. There should be an opt-out clause. I think players are really being disserviced right now. Yeah. So, I mean, I, from what you said, Dan, I'll probably have to go back and, you know, fact check myself because I haven't heard. Plus, I went off the grid over the weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you missed out on some things. Yeah, I did Not watch the UFC fights though. But so, uh, we're, we're, we're standing on standing on the edge of disappointment. I, I guess I guess you're doing okay. <laughs> didn't jump right. off. All right, so um, let's get into some actual basketball. I mean, NBA we're starts about to finally. <laughs> NBA starts Thursday. Thursday. Now, I mean, we've seen some of these scrimmage games. I've watched pretty much every single one of these scrimmage games. Who looks good? Well, no. The question is, who looks like that they were underground practicing in a facility in a mountain somewhere with their teammates? Because the Lakers look like they've been working out of LeBron's house. Yeah, right now scrimmage doesn't look very good for uh, for the LA Lakers. I mean, they lost to the Nets. The Nets. Wait, did I say the Nets? Yes, the Nets. Uh, I just can't believe I actually just said that. It came out of my mouth. I almost wanted to throw up in my own mouth when I said that. But no, seriously, they're. they're, they're we will they're say. We will say that LeBron and AD did not even dress the second half. He had the Michael Jordan Joker chain on. Yeah, and someone someone else was actually holding the leash. But anyway, you know. I mean, <laughs> 
there's there's there there's really a, a a lot to love here, a lot to take away from from scrimmage games, uh, and of course this is this, again. This is a very odd scenario, the odd situation that you find yourself in if you're a professional sports organization trying to find a way to recoup to be that team that will get you to the mountain. And unfortunately, in a lot of these cases, teams, it's almost, it's almost as if you're going to take a pitcher who's hot and you're just going to sit. So you know what? You're going to sit in the dugout. So now all these strikes, all this hotness, all this fluidity, the, the, the ball coming off of his hands just looks like absolute magic and still screaming 90-plus miles an hour, whether it's a curveball on the inside, the outside, getting someone to swing. The NBA and, and the teams that are within that are just playing cold. They're just playing cold right now, cold like ice with bergs hanging off their chin uh, because nobody's really kind of motivating me to watch anything at all other than maybe – the Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets has bull, bull. Um, they and it just seems. I mean, the guy could play both ends. I mean, he could play a basketball game against himself, but we don't know who would actually win that game. Bull, bull. It's just super exciting to really watch. And then, and then they have the Joker. So the Joker is the is is a wild card guy who just shows up every single game. We've seen him last year. If you guys have watched any Nuggets games whatsoever, but. Uh, of course, living in, in Denver uh, and now back in California. It was all Nuggets all the time. Broncos, yeah, kind of took a back seat to the Denver Nuggets because Denver Nuggets were in playoff contention, uh, uh, clearly, obviously, uh, due to COVID shutting things down. But right now, I don't really think anybody kind of stands out to me right now. There's a, there a, a, a lot of a lot of discussion as to who's going to be there at the end of the day. Uh, what are the odds? What, what are the betting favorites? Uh, things of that nature. Um, don't forget that this is kind of, again, we're, we could be playing a truncated season, especially with COVID acting and rearing its ugly head in ways that we didn't really expect it to. Again, it does not discriminate. So I just want to make sure I make that very abundantly clear um, that, that now in this restart session, um, you're going to have the Lakers and a crosstown rivalry. Uh, with the LA Clippers, that's uh, probably going to happen in the next set of games. Uh, right now, I don't, I don't really, I'm not, I, I'm not a fan of this indoor fanless arena in in, in Orlando. I've just, I, I'm not, but I have to keep it in perspective and recognize that these guys are playing for their for their playoff lives. They're trying to keep things back on track, on schedule. This is a different environment. This is not something they're accustomed to playing in. Uh, but but more more importantly, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. And right now, the teams are just trying to get to that finish line, whatever that finish line is, or whatever that's going to look like. You're going to have the two best teams uh, in the NBA really kind of take shape and really grab hold of the reins as the season continues uh, on. And of course, uh, when you look at the 27th. Uh, which is today you got the Grizzlies in Miami that game already played Raptors Suns Spurs Pacers Thunder uh, Blazers Celtics Rockets Mavericks and Philadelphia your late time game all times are Eastern of course but um, if you were to, if there was a team that I'd like to pick right now to maybe take it all the way to go all the way down to win the please. it's not the Houston Rockets because they don't know how to play defense <laughs> Dan Tony. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> 44 dribbles by your point guard in one possession. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, it's like uh, who's who's gonna wait defense? How do you spell that again? 
Um, I don't think they really have a, a, a grip on that. Celtics always look good. They always are in the conversation, always in the mix as to where they're going to be. 76ers eh, haven't really been a whole lot uh, to That's speak. That's my sleeper team this year. Now. Sleeper? I yeah, said that before. Now. Now, I said now, that before. Now that Ben Simmons <laughs> seems to be back on track, but you know he might hit a three. <laughs> yeah, he he turned it into a three point score. What do you know? Why do you think they drafted the guy? Couldn't hit a three to save his life just a couple this two years ago. Uh, but I think 76ers are finding their way out of the the mystic sea, if you will. Um, but again, no one really stands out to me right now. I'm, I'm gonna have to go with the Lakers, uh, maybe Lakers 76ers for your NBA finals. And the 76ers upsetting the Lakers, right? No, not exactly. <laughs> I do have a question. Yeah. But, 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 but again, Western Conference, we skipped over Western Conference. Milwaukee Bucks are making a perfectly solid argument with Giannis being called the runner-up or the pure-defined winner, depending on what side of the equator you're on, whether you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan or Giannis fan or LeBron, who's won this uh, MVP consistently on the Western side of the hemisphere. So, Who's going to pick MVP? I got to go with my man, LeBron James, on, on this, and I give him a slight edge. And I take nothing away from, from Giannis and the fact that he's a scorer at will. He's muscular. He's younger. Um, he can get inside of the paint. He could dominate. He's shown it. He's done it time and time again. But when you measure him up against the king, how many rings does it take? Ask LeBron James because he's got him, and Giannis does not. So it's a young season. We're going to find out who's going to win the win, but I think Lakers end up taking out the Bucks in a Western Conference final match. Okay, so uh, I, Damon, hold on here. Hold on. Yeah. This has been an ongoing debate on our show and on many others. The use of the name in basketball, a two-way player. I cannot stand it myself because when you're on the basketball court, you both you play both offense and defense. There should be no such thing as a two-way player. Rudy, I want to hear your thoughts on that. A two-way okay. player was Deion Sanders. Exactly. You played – there was a team of offense out on the field. You played on that team. Then a new team of defense, and you played on that team. I do not see how anybody in the NBA or any type of basketball can be considered a two-way player. Go. You're by default a two-way player the minute you step on the hardwood and a story. It's a little bit different when you're on the gridiron. Why? Because guys like Charles Woodson, who had received a couple passes as a defensive guy, turned into a wide receiver on the outside. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Heisman Trophy. <laughs> um uh, but and the last defensive player to win the MVP, by the way, or Heisman Trophy, excuse me. Um, but I think more, more importantly, when you look at, yeah, he's from Michigan. Uh, but more, <laughs> more, more importantly, uh, when, when when you look at a, a solid two-way player, it's a guy that can get it done on both ends of the court. And I know it's true. I was talking about Bull Bull earlier for for the Denver Nuggets. Bull Bull is, is one of those guys. You may not like the term, but the reality of the term comes to fruition when someone could actually pull it off and make it a name, right? Because guys throughout NBA history have made rules, made, made stats actually count because they were that good, because they were able to get things done. Triple-double, who the heck? 
before 1965, nobody even knew what a triple-double was. They thought it was a hamburger they got from their local hamburger joint <laughs> down the street. Triple-doubles came into play because players put that there. They made that what it is. So a great two-way player would be a guy who's great offensively and great defensively, who can snag the ball, climb up, be the be the shot blocker. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar reminds me of a solid two-way player. A guy scored more points, not really talked about a whole lot. But then again, back then, everybody was a two-way player because they played the, the whole court. Not like oh. now where you had – you know, it kind of started in the Shaq era when at first you didn't see his defense. Well, you I mean, people that watch the game, you, you've seen his defense. People who – I should say casual um, uh, spectators of the game didn't see anything but him dunking and this, that, and the other, you know. That's what they show. They don't show block shots. They show well, dunks. Well, I'm saying, look, Cookie Monster, don't get <laughs> just because he's on the Lakers doesn't mean you get a fix. That was Orlando. <laughs> At that time, it was. I just don't understand why 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 anybody comes out with the name two way player because, like you said, when you step on the hardwood, you play both sides. You play both sides, but you have to be an elite player on both ends of the court. You can't just believe in offense and have no D. You can't do it. There's no way. There's no way. This is not a defense wins championships moniker that's played in the NFL lores. There's no way. You have to do it on both ends of the court. That's what makes a solid two-way player. They're not being actual for it. They're not being an actual title for it. No one's going to win an award for it. But by default, because you're on the floor, you have to. You never know. That Very name, good. that that MVP, the yeah. two-way MVP may come out. <laughs> it, it, it could happen. They call it the. Uh, I, I'm I'm more of a fan of the of the six man of a year award. To be quite honest with you, that's I'll that's what I like. That. That, that's what I look at. The guy, the the Robert Ori, the D Fish, the Scotty Pippen to your Michael Jordan. You know those guys. Those are those are the six men. Those are the guys that are the perennial backbone. To any NBA team, I don't care who it is, you have to have the difference maker, and it starts with the sixth man. And that's why that award is so popular. Could there be I, a best two way player in NBA history? Yeah, maybe within the next five or 10 years. Who knows? We'll but, see. but they're not giving the credit, like even with the triple double, they're not giving the credit to the players that played before. You know, what I mean, if you want to define the two way player as that, Jordan was a two way player. Uh, Kareem was a two-way player. Scotty Pippen was a two-way player. Patrick Ewing was a two-way player. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you can just go back and change mean? all of history. Michael but, Jordan was a leader on both mean? sides, first team of offense and defense. Right. Scottie but, Pippen, but first team of offense and defense. We're superiorly elite compared to the competition, the level competition they played against in their time. Not many. Patrick Ewing was elite on defense and offense. You might not like the guy. I didn't, but he was elite on offense and defense. You and, and again, hey, his level of competition was who? Who? Uh, who? David Robinson, Akeem so Olajuwon, Alonzo Mourning, uh, Shaquille well, that O'Neal. That time of NBA is not relevant. <laughs> No, bigs, were, bigs were bigs. Bigs <laughs> were bigs back then. You played against those guys. You know what I mean? Akeem wasn't shooting 40-foot three-pointers. <laughs> you, know yeah, I mean? right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You know, but. Think about I, this. I just, you know, 
you have one person who's winning, who's scoring all. Michael Jordan said it himself. It's not the amount of shots that you miss. It's the ones that you make. It's the ones that you make. If you don't take the shot, how do you know it's going to go in? There's no way the Bulls would have won back-to-back-to-back championships if Jordan didn't have a Pippen, if there wasn't someone to back up Pippen. Pippen's not really talked about in, in Chicago lore as much as he should be, in my in my honest and professional opinion. But I think that when, when these guys get overlooked, if you don't win championships, regardless of how solid of a player you are, all it is is an award for you. It's not an award for your team. It's not an award for your franchise. It's not an award that is going to stand out to you other than sitting and collecting dust on your mantle. That's it. That's all it is. Without the rings to justify all that hard work putting and being the best two-way player on the floor means nothing. means nothing. Means nothing. You'll get overlooked. Get into Cooperstown or the walls of of Canton, uh, or where the NBA decides wherever they put those guys at, uh, in, in order to give them a, a, a definitive lifelong look in regards to what their career meant to uh, people who watched them, the fans, the organization, the players that that they played on. No one's going to remember. Uh, somebody who didn't win a championship. Oh, nobody remembers n- number two. Um, you can remember their individual efforts, but as a team collectively, no one's going to remember number two. How many How many championships did the Utah Jazz win? None. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to remember Carl Malone? You're going to remember the, the mailman who delivered every single night? No. You're not. I remember the mailman because he was a wrestler. Not there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I mean, something that you were talking about earlier, Dan, you know, your sleeper, Sixers. I got the Sixers on the outside and I got Portland on the outside. But I got both of them as my sleepers because both of them are returning their whole team's healthy before the stoppage both of those teams were limping into the playoffs we're going to be Sixers were going to finish a little higher maybe win the first round but the absence of Ben Simmons was going to be apparent because they were not going to have him uh with Portland Nurkic and Collins you weren't going to have them but with the COVID you get all of those guys back Ben looked like he done put on 30 pounds of solid muscle the guy who's starting at the power forward, even though he's still playing point guard role. You know what I mean? The Sixers, they look good. They look good. And the same thing with Portland. You're getting those guys back, and you got these scrimmage games, and you got these eight games to get this quick jail. It's not something that you have to go the whole season. This atmosphere is an AAU-style atmosphere. So the guys who can adjust to that the fastest, the teams that can adjust to that the fastest are going to be the ones that that are going to be that you're going to see at the end. Yeah, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, and I, I agree got, with you. I got nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I, and I, 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 I agree with it all. <laughs> I agree with you on the uh, on LeBron for MVP. Most of the time, I think LeBron should win MVP every year because of the things that he does. If you take LeBron off the Lakers, even with Anthony Davis, with their current roster, they are not a playoff team. Maybe eight. 
competing at the ninth spot. And then you place in the, what makes me an MVP category. You can take them off a team and you can put them anywhere else with any other team and they will be in the same position that they are in. We've seen LeBron do it with a very subpar Cleveland team twice. <clears throat> you take them to the dance. You know what I mean? You might not want it, but you got them there. Now you give him these weapons like this. I think it now Giannis, he's having a fantastic season. I mean, his numbers, yeah, MVP, the best season this particular year. But what LeBron brings to the floor to a team with leadership production at 35 years old, hey, man, that's my guy. <laughs> and I'm not like the biggest LeBron fan anyway. I'm a Kobe guy, so. <laughs> you know, I um, I, I definitely uh, appreciate LeBron James' body of work. I remember he was with with Miami, um, and then that whole shift to J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith is is an LA Laker, which I'm not really a fan of, but it, you know, it is what it is. But what I don't want to see is J.R. Smith throwing the ball out of bounds to someone he thought was there, almost like a Sam Darnold thought he seen ghosts on the field. I think J.R. Smith saw some ghosts. On that uh, on the sideline right there, he threw that ball away. Where LeBron's like, "What are you doing? Why are you throwing the ball?" Uh, and 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 that's what I don't want to see for the LA Lakers. What what, I, what I'd like to see is that the same type of chemistry that we watched prior to COVID kind of shutting things down on a temporary basis. I'm glad I'm saying temporary, not permanently, because those two words have two completely different meaning. Mm -hmm. meaning and it's not something I even want to talk about. The fact that they're playing, doing what they got to do, certainly uh, is the talk of the town other than that other L.A. team. Well, who are they again? Doc Clippers? Oh, um, I need to I need to shave my head with hey, – um, wait, I'll, Clippers. Sorry, that's right. That's I, will, I will make an asterisk real quick. <laughs> Strip club <laughs> wings are absolutely outstanding. <laughs> I mean, we got a club here, dancers – their lunch buffet. Oh my God, it's amazing. Okay, go ahead. Back to it. I'm, I'm more than confident that they have the spread there in the bubble. So you can call it the bubble spread. Maybe bubble spread. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. That's good. So, 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 so the spread of spreads, the spread of spreads, just so you guys know, just in case you were wondering, the NFL draft has by far the best spread you're going to find. For food, drinks, you cannot want at that table. There's everything. Boneless wings, pizza, pasta, you name it, it's there. It's there, just so you know. Awesome. <laughs> you know, when you get invited, you can bring two guests, right? And here we are. <laughs> you never know. If you guys are up for the interview, you're up for the daunting task of being there for hours and hours and hours on end into the sixth round on the third day. I, I think I could sacrifice a good five to six days out of my year at least one time. Yep, I, I did too. One. <laughs> I can give you one. <laughs> one day. One day. That's all oh, we like, I, you know, I need room. It's too many big guys in one area. I mean, I feel like I need to compete and get back up. <laughs> I have to pump up the chest and kind of like, yeah, <clears throat> I got this. I got this. Um, but no, guys, it's been fantastic. Thank you for having me on. It's definitely been uh, been enlightening, and I, I definitely appreciate the the time and talking to you about everything that's going on in sports, at least for what we know is sports, and what we know will be an actual season. The NFL certainly 
uh, will be the tail of the tape in regards to what Roger Goodell does uh, with all these rookies. And not that they have a whole lot of time left because they don't. Rookies are supposed to show up to mm-hmm. training camp already. So uh, certainly going to keep my eye out on that one. Of course, you guys can always find me on Twitter at Rude Dog Reyes. You can always go to the RudeDogShow.com. Look at some fantastic interviews with a lot of great guys. Mike Daniel is still a free agent. Why? I don't know. Uh, comes out of Packerland. <laughs> and Charles Charles Woodson will have Jack Hartman on of the Pirates. Um, I have you know over seven years of interviews ranging from Sinbad to Al Bernstein uh, to Seth Joyner. Coach Mike Ditka, uh, the list just goes on and on and on. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I heard that one name. That one name really stuck out to me. <laughs> I wonder which one that is. Hmm. Yeah. No, no. Jaws, Jaws right here. Yeah. Cody, we appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, Damon, do you have anything else before we sign off? I'm good. I'm good. Oh, good. It's been a pleasure. You know, I love talking to uh, a fellow fan of one of my teams. It's pretty awesome. I love yeah. talking to you Southern California guys. I don't know. I mean, y'all a different type of guy, but I love y'all. <laughs> <laughs> different in a good way. Different in a good way. Right. Different in a good way. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I can't handle that. You know what I mean? It's too hot. Not <laughs> a buck two right now. Oh, oh. It was like 96 here today, but the humidity here is what really sucks. At least you guys have somewhat of a Pacific Coast breeze. We have in the valley, man. We have nothing. Okay. Hot is hot. I mean, they say this crap that you know, I mean, it's a dry heat. Uh, oven is hot. (laughs) Right here. Right here. Definitely dry. And when you're above 40, I know about all that East Coast stuff. I've been to Philly, and I'll tell you what, I'm not a fan of Geno's and I'm not a fan of Pats. I'm a fan of that one guy at the end of the corner that's got one of those cheesesteaks with my name written all over. Those are the best ones you're going to find because all this talk about who's better, Geno or Pats, none. None. Neither one of them. You got to go to the one on the corner. corner. Bobby. You got to go to the one on the corner. That's got the 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 four inch thick bulletproof glass that you got to grab your sandwich underneath. <laughs> oh man, well, Rudy, it's been a blast. Thank you again. Uh, check everybody. Check out the Rude Dog Show. Rudy Reyes, the owner of Rude Dog Entertainment and the host of the Rude Dog Show. Rudy, thank you again. And uh, you know we would be. Glad to uh, invade your show one of these times. Sure, absolutely. absolutely. I, I definitely in, encourage the tomfoolery, uh, as, as I've been known to have on my show. So thanks a lot, guys. I definitely appreciate your time. And uh, I, I have to sneak this in. Go Steelers. Ah, we'll edit it ah. out afterwards. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> you know. I can count, I can count right here. Uh. Okay. Five and a nub. Five One and a nub. For the thumb. <laughs> or as 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 one famous dealer uh did on the sideline, he says, I'm taking the bus to Detroit. James Ferrier. There was like who? What? James Ferrier? <laughs> I mean, I know the name. I care less though. 
<laughs> I know you. I know you don't. Tough just guy. A hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely schedule time. Have you come on the Rudolph Show, and uh, we'll definitely uh, chop it up and uh, see what's going on in the world of sports. Sounds good, man. Sounds you enjoy good. the rest of your evening, and we will be talking to you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Say Take care. Thanks. Namaste. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it for Taco Tuesday. That guy right there, he's the one. This guy right here, not dancing, he's the ass. Together, we are Black and White Sports. As you always, you got to give him the shoulders. COVID 19, COVID 19, COVID 19. Everybody, First Financial Bank. Mr. John Wayne Buzzard, 317-417-8582, or email him at john.buzzard at bankingfirst.com for all your banking needs. And our rock star realtor himself, Mr. Sean Nugent, over at Talk to Tucker. Call him, 317-503-8322, or email him, sean.nugent at talktotucker.com. Damon, as always, what do we do? You know that little thing that's on the side of the road with the air in it? <laughs> <laughs> we keep indie sporty, baby. Pew, pew. Peace. Peace.